Welcome to Side Effects, Effect versus Affect. It's hard to know the difference. At McGowan Brabender, our goal is to provoke you to think differently about employee benefits, your employees, and the status quo. That's why it's Side Effects with an A. Join me, Kenzie McEvely, my co-host, Anne-Marie Singleton, and our guests joining us from Tiffin University for a five-part podcast series about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let's get started. As we begin part three of our five-part podcast series regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion, we thought it was important to get to know our expert guests a little bit better. These next few minutes will give you just a taste of the incredible women featured on our show today. Julia Porter is the director for the Center of Intercultural Excellence at Tiffin University. She's a first-generation college student who started her career as a high school teacher at an all-girls school in Brooklyn, New York. She built her family through adoption, and through her experiences with transracial adoption, she has immersed her family in unique cultural experiences. Her background makes her the perfect fit for the director of this center. Also joining this episode is Nadia Lewis, VP of HR and the Center of Intercultural Excellence. Nadia has over 15 years working as an HR business partner for industries such as aerospace, engineering, robotics, healthcare, behavioral health, higher education, factory automation, and manufacturing. She's a certified facilitator in Bridges Out of Poverty, Fierce Conversations, The Color Code, and CQ. She has served as a diversity chair and a board member for the Northwest Ohio Human Resources Association, is former president and current member of Coupa HR, and has been a keynote speaker at dozens of national, regional, and state conferences. There are even more accolades to announce, but we would be here all day. Undeniably, our guests are the perfect candidates for today's topic, which is understanding your employees' uniqueness and giving everyone a seat at the table. Let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to part three in our five-part series with two of our experts, Nadia Lewis and Julia Porter from the Center for Intercultural Excellence from Tiffin University. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Anne-Marie, nice to see you again in the studio. Yeah, thanks. You as well, Kenzie. So we are so excited to have you here. And as Kenzie mentioned, this is the third uh, podcast like in this five-part five series. And yes. so if, you're, <laughs> if you haven't caught up yet with the series, we highly recommend listening to the first two parts of our DE&I conversation. And now we're going to call it DEIB conversation to include belonging. Thank you for sharing that with us in episode two. And um, so far we've discussed self-awareness, best practices of hiring and retaining diverse employees. And today we're going to focus specifically about equity in the workplace. So as we do, we're going to ask you if you can start by sharing a little bit about what equity means and how to structure a workplace with equity in mind. And I'm going to start with you, Julia, if that's okay. Great, that works. So one of the important things about equity is to remember that we, we talk a lot about equality and equity. Um, equity is acknowledging that not everybody comes to the table with the same things. So though we may be at the same job, we haven't gotten there in the same way. We have different backgrounds and we have different ways of being. Um, all of us are different and unique. So how do we support each of those people in the workplace, no matter how they grew up, where they were educated, et cetera? So how do we make this a safe space, um, an inclusive space for each person? 
Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, what we try to um, convey to the organizations we work with when we do our training is that a diverse workplace at the end of the day is a successful workplace. You know, mm-hmm. that research has time and time again shown that organizations that embrace the importance of DEIB have increased revenue, have um, greater readiness for innovation, and they have rep- improved retention. So, but, you know, improving diversity and inclusion in your workplace is more about than increase than, uh, you know, the hiring of women or people of color or non-binary or culturally diverse employees. It's about weaving genuine inclusion into the fabric of your very own organization. And so it's not just about having diverse people, but ensuring that they're involved, they're gonna be empowered, and they're gonna be trusted within the business um, mindset and workplace, that they're gonna be embraced for who they are and how they show up and how they can contribute and that they can contribute. Yeah. And you know what? You just touched on something that um, I want to just say out loud one more time. And it's not the focus of our conversation today, but you said a diverse workforce, um, which includes equity, those employers have higher profit margins. And I mm-hmm. heard in a TED talk I was listening to that that can be anywhere between 15 and 30 percent higher profit margins yes. wow. with a yes. fully mm-hmm. diverse and inclusive uh, workforce. Pretty Absolutely. Amazing. Yes. Employers need to grasp that and understand that. And as much as you bring that, you you know, you foster in culture internally, also extend that out to the very people you service, right? Whomever that might be, whomever your clients are, customers are, you know, having that type of diverse mindset also extends to providing better service um, to help your business. Yeah. People that belong and know that they're cared for and know that their needs are being met are, are going to work well. They're going to be able to complete their job in a work day in a way that we don't always see. Um, if if every, all the needs are being met, if you're not distracted, if you feel like you're welcome, you feel like you belong, you feel like your talents are being respected, you're, you're going to have a better day and a better day for you is a better day for the business. Mm-hmm. I like to think of our marketing team here. We all are very different generations. Um, And I think with creative minds, you bring a lot of different uniqueness to the table. Um, And one of our biggest things we talk about in our meetings is there's no no idea is a bad idea. We just love to brainstorm together. And that's how we get our most creative thoughts is because I am 28 and I flew on an airplane and got an idea from this. And then uh, my other coworker has a different shared experience. They bring it to the table and somehow we make this mm-hmm. beautiful masterpiece from everyone's ideas together. together. Mm-hmm. Yes. The yep. inclusion. Yes. We couldn't do our work alone, could we, Nadia? <laughs> we need another yeah, person we could not. to talk about those ideas. That's that's very critical and important and all, all different um, backgrounds are valued and that everybody can have those conversations. It leads to better innovation, more creativity. And honestly, if you're, if you're respecting each other in those conversations, like it sounds like you are, Kenzie, you're going to work really well together and, and have a bond through your work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what, what I was thinking about though, is that people don't like change. <laughs> we all know that. Um, no. my, yeah. My mom and I were, we send inspirational videos to each other and one I just watched recently was how you like people who are like you. And mm. it can be really hard to get out of your comfort zone. Um, it can be hard to get to know someone who's very different from you. But it's so important to recognize, open your eyes, see their uniqueness and how it can bring a whole new mindset to you. So what do you say to people who don't, don't like change, don't want change? 
Oh gosh, I'm in HR, so <laughs> that is my conversation <laughs> all day long. <laughs> Embrace the change. Um, you know, gosh, it, you know, it depends what the change is um, because it hits home, it hits to the individual differently. Um, one of the exercises, you know, our, our training is very, we always say it's sustainable because we put together um, elements of sustainability for organizations to do, and it's customized specifically for that company. And then we do action plans behind it. And so right behind your question, Kenzie, is, you know, one of the action plans we do is create small little nuggets of movement. Mm -hmm. um, and so we might say um, as an action plan for that self-awareness and personal development is ask someone who is different than you to lunch this week right. or this month and then report back how, what, what things did you learn? What assumptions or bias you might've had before that completely changed once you've sat down and talked to someone. Um, and so with that thought in mind is, is, Put that element of change, but in small little pills or nuggets that people can swallow and digest, reflect on it, and then incorporate it into how they have been educated and, ch and change themselves from it. Um, you can't cram it down their throat all at once, um, but more importantly, you have to communicate the reason of the change. How does it benefit and serve them better? Because usually it does but no one communicates that, right? They, they, they flash the end goal, but they don't recognize the journey and why that journey is going to be uplifting and inspiring and good for everyone and impact them in, in, in an individual way, right? So I think that's how you get people to buy into change, but then more importantly, making sure you're considering them and their needs as part of that change structure. So, you know, I think I, there's a fear with change, right? Because I think one of the fears with change is that we're, we're saying that you're doing everything wrong and that's not true at all. And so I think one of the things that I will probably say now in every podcast I'm feeling is clear communication is so important. Um, and having those yeah. lines of communication, like we're not doing the, these things because what you're doing is wrong. We're doing these things because we want to encourage you to do better and improve. We all stand to improve from leadership on like everybody has that opportunity so i think when we say change we have a new initiative we have a new whatever um, that you're trying to bring in or we are looking at deib in a new way it can be scary for people because their first assumption and again this comes from bias and whatever background they're coming from is that they've maybe done something wrong so making sure to have those important and critical conversations on this isn't this isn't a punishment we want to do better for everybody, right? Not just ourselves. We want everybody to have a better experience here. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I talked over you. I was going to ask this question um, about <laughs> what, what major changes need to take place uh, to allow individuals to feel at ease, you know, with employment and bringing their authentic selves. But I think I will um, reserve the right to change my question in light of something <laughs> you just said, Nadia, which was um, small movement. So, you know, that that is the encouragement for the uh, the employee, right, or that particular uh, person. Um, take it up a little bit to the company level um, and maybe don't say what major changes need to take place, but maybe what movement, what, what needs to take place in an organization? What are some things that can allow individuals to feel at ease um, in their role and in their, uh, you know, their work mm -hmm. area and 
be their authentic self? What what are some of those those things, procedures, policies, um, just that employers can yeah. be thinking about? Yeah, I first first thing is to identify DEIB as your strategic priority. It's got to have a seat at the table at the strategic table. Um, you know, workplaces can only move the needle if they make DEIB a key organizational strategic priority. So with this, the strategy then has clear goals, performance measures mm. that are reviewed and discussed, starting at the C-level, leadership, then reported out to employees on a regular and consistent basis. Um, you know, so often I hear my HR practitioners out there in the field is, is, you know, they feel like they're doing the heavy lifting. They're the only ones trying to move that needle. And so it, it has to be the entire organization that finds it a priority, moves it together as a priority, um, and give each other the support and grace to um, move forward and then make sure that it's measured um, and, and to infuse it in areas that people get that it is important to you, right? It's not just conversation. It's it's not the sexy message of the day. Right. Um, it is very real, very real. And so with how you recruit and promote diverse talent, um, I always tell organizations, and this is something Julie and I discuss, put it in your performance measures, make it a part of your performance evaluations. That will hit home to employees that this is very real for you um, if they're being measured on it. And not a Likert scale measurement, have them create a narrative. Tell me about a way you helped a customer who was you know, experiencing a challenge with something, a product we had, but had a, a very diverse need for it. How did you help them? You know, it, it, you, we need moments to reflect, but then more importantly, to celebrate when we see people doing all the right things that help to move the needle for the organization forward with the, DE, the DEIB space. Um, we talked about mentorship program, consistently training. You mm -hmm. have to train. Training from, we always say that you've got to start with the board of trustees, you know, your C-level, leadership all the way down, um, diversity and unconscious bias, um, you know, make it required for all employees to have to go through this training. Um, you know, review benefits is another way. Um, you have to start at the very beginning of that strategic priority and infuse it throughout your organization. Yeah. So it can't just be this separate initiative that's off to the side and it's woven no. right. throughout everything mm -hmm. you do inside your organization. Mm -hmm. So Julia, I had a buzzword that um, I think we talked about earlier was allyship. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge part mm -hmm. of being your authentic self and becoming a culture of allyship. So can you explain how to be an ally and how this is important to the culture? Yes, absolutely. So being an ally means, uh, we're, sorry, let me start again. <laughs> being an ally means having your respect for everybody and, and finding people that you're willing to mentor and work with is really just important and strategic in this. So Nadia just referred to a mentorship program. When we have somebody new come into um, a situation, it's important to have an employee that can walk alongside them to help them understand um, 
some of the things maybe just in their role specifically in the culture at play specifically if DEIB has become something that's that's newer that we're um, infiltrating and being respectful listening like I, get, I said before in earlier podcasts, listening to um, not respond, but to understand and learn more about these individuals and how you can support them. So Nadia has said a really great thing just moments ago, and that is having a reflection opportunity. So whether it's in your performance evaluation and one-on-one -on -one conversations, small groups, um, when we do training in between our training sessions, we have small groups get together where we give them a reflective assignment um, to sit and talk. This helps you understand people more so that you can walk alongside them in a way that is helpful for them. So having important conversations, finding people that are even have some similarities to you that you didn't understand before um, can be helpful along this way too. So we've, we've talked a lot, had a lot of conversations about working parents, finding other working parents that you can speak to. Um, and then you can share your stories with other employees that aren't there yet and understanding where you are. Maybe they have chosen not to be parents or maybe they're they're going to be a parent eventually and understanding why what you do may be a little bit different than what they do. So again, in order to have allies, you just have to have open lines of communication, constantly talking about respect, constantly having conversations that are uncomfortable for you to understand people. It's not easy. That is not easy work. I know, Anne-Marie, you've said numerous times, like, this seems like it's so simple. This is where it's not simple, right? To know when to have a conversation, when it's appropriate, and what you can talk about, and listening and asking questions. So Nadia brought up, we do a thing on campus where find somebody that is different from you in, in whatever way, maybe just a different department, maybe ethnically they're different, maybe they are from a more rural area and you're coming to work from an urban area, and then having conversations. Sometimes we ask something simple like, how do you celebrate holidays in your family? Just finding a way to have a conversation initially is really important in a topic that you can both contribute to and understand. So allyship is so important in belonging because if you don't belong, it's going to make it difficult. You're not going to want to be there. You're going to potentially lose an employee if they don't feel like they belong. And so finding mentors for them, including that and as right when they come, right when they join you, is there somebody that can walk with them? That's one of the key things I always talk about at Tiffin that was so important for me. Um, those of you that don't know, Tiffin is in Ohio. I live in Indiana. I don't live in the community in which I work, which can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, right off the bat, um, when Dr. Schumacher brought me on board, she introduced me to several people to help me navigate the campus, right? And understand what my role would be um, and just have somebody to talk to. It's so important just to have somebody to sit and have a conversation with. So any way that you can help your employees do this, it's gonna happen organically, of course, but ways that you can help support them is even like, I think my my first day on campus, I had a meal already set up for me with an employee. And I remember that to this day, it was very important for me in a very important way that I have, you know, it was helped me to retain there, right? Because I knew that they were looking out for me before I even stepped foot in the door. This was already arranged. Yeah, that's so nice. Um... I, I just appreciate your thoughts on that, and I, I'll say it again. It, it is very hard, but it sounds simple, and I, I'm going to get that out of my head. Um, so when we think about, you know, referring back to people being their authentic selves, right, um, and, and having a shared experience and being able to bring your authentic self to that conversation, similar to what you just talked about, I think sometimes there is a, a fear 
um, founded or not, that there could be a line that could be crossed too, either from the person sharing or the person who's listening to the person sharing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in some ways, you still have to maintain some standards or professionalism while at work, right? Um, but I don't think that should stop people from being scared to to be themselves. So, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, one of the first things is training, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, a mentor is going to help you with that. <laughs> yeah, to understand. I know. Sorry, we all talked at once. We got really excited. A mentor is going to help. Three, you two, one, go. <laughs> I know. I always think about somebody that's new to work in general, right? We have a lot of um, young individuals, yes. right, that enter our workforce, and being twenty-two and an employee is very different than being twenty-two and a college student, right? And so, having those experienced mentors that can help them navigate. Um, the social norms and the culture at, at work is important. Mm -hmm. um, I think too, there's there's a time and a place. I just had a conversation with somebody too on, I wouldn't call them safe topics, but topics that are appropriate for work. You know, we're not gonna necessarily run into a room and talk about politics or religion. You know, anything that you're not gonna talk about at your Thanksgiving table, you're probably not gonna talk about at work. Um, and, and the more you get to know people, the more you communicate, you're going to understand comfort level. Do mistakes happen? Absolutely. We don't know what trauma people have. We don't know their background if we don't know them. But having then the moment, the teachable learning moment to say that obviously what I said was not, didn't seem to resonate with you or made you feel uncomfortable. What can I do better? And that's the hard part, right? Anne Marie, you were right. talking about things that are simple. It's simple to have a conversation. That really is simple in itself. To communicate is simple but to recognize when you have communicated inappropriately um, and, and to ask somebody to walk you through what you did wrong and how you could do it better, that's important. But we start with our training again, and these conversations are less likely to happen if people are trained appropriately, um, learning terminology that's appropriate, any, anything like that. How do, you, how do you refer to somebody that's non-binary? Having those trainings really will help eliminate some of that as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Nadia, what were you going to say? You know, I, I was just going to say, you know, with, within that culture of allyship has to be infused um, the positivity, right? Positive change. Mm -hmm. And it's always okay um, to apologize. And as long as you're coming from a meaningful place with the conversations um, is, is what people will recognize and, and be empathetic to. So be meaningful in the conversations and the spaces you create for people. Um, make work fun. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it, it makes it a lot easier for people to get settled in um, and to be more welcoming and of those conversations and those mishaps. Um, when we did our, we started doing our onboarding and, and we refused it or uh, we, you know, energized it. Um, to fit our own initiative through DEIB. And so we created a half day is the first day of all the, you know, you're getting all the policies and information, how to navigate through systems that we're going to have you use, um, all your signing of the forms and the acknowledgement stuff, all that. A fun HR day of, right. of onboarding. Yes. Everyone looks forward to it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I then my favorite day. day. I, I love systems. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but then day two, we did an amazing race. 
And so we tell everyone to show up, wear shorts, comfy clothes. We get golf carts lined up and we make it fun. And it is, um, we do it as a challenge and they get clues and, but they are at the same time, right? Because remember we're, we're recruiting diverse people. So there's all these people onboarding with them of diverse backgrounds and and skills and needs and wants and this is a day that they can be unapologetically who they are um they are making friends and connecting with people in ways they will never do um mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that day um we purposely put them with people of different departments that sometimes they won't connect with right a basketball coach with someone in housekeeping and mm-hmm. and so forth and they are having fun they are laughing um we've had unfortunately people steal golf carts they get they get really competitive <laughs> on this day um we're a competitive we, place <laughs> we're a competitive place but we hear all the time that they absolutely have the most fun and already in that first two day experience they've said this is the most fun workplace and the best workplace I've ever had. Because in the beginning, we set the tone mm-hmm. that it's okay and we want you to embrace people of all different levels that no matter where they are and where they service on campus, they are just as important to us because we're inviting them all to have this experience with us. And the employees who are also part of the ones that are already there helping us to do these challenges, they enjoy it the most. Um, it's, it's not just the people who are onboarding, but the people who are our employees that are there and get to experience and do the challenges, they love it as much. And we invite them afterwards, everyone has a big lunch and they all get to sit down together and they get to know each other. So then when that person starts that first day, they feel like they're already family. Yeah, um, They're mm-hmm. part of a family. And so it's, I, I encourage all workplaces, do something fun. Do something fun within that first 30 days because it really sets the tone of your environment and your culture. And if you're trying to be a culture of one that is um, inclusive and one of an ally, that nothing speaks more volume than you allowing people to show up, have a day where they can show up and be themselves and have others learn who they truly are. Yeah, that shared experience. And not just the first... Yeah, not just the first day too. We have a fun event coming up that we have planned at the end of our semester. Like we of all are just gonna be ending a, a couple of weeks here of pure insanity and how do we come together, celebrate who we are, celebrate that we all just went through the shared experience of finishing up a semester and having a good time. Yeah, I think so- another thing that Nadia said that's so important with equity allyship is that good apology uh, when it's when it's warranted and and having that ability to apologize my daughter is in first grade and she talks about the good apologies versus what she calls the icky apologies the icky apology Aww. is i'm sorry you feel that way uh-huh, or i'm yes. sorry but, you know pushing it on you the good apology is I'm sorry that I offended you. How can I do better? Or I'm sorry my tone was in such a way that um, I came off this way. I didn't have a great morning and I was not my intention. Yes. And I know that I left an impact, even though my intention wasn't to do that. So, so we always call it my house, the good apologies and the icky one, the icky one where it's placed back on you. And the good one is where you take the ownership for your mistake. And I think we're a culture that does that well, because again, we've had these conversations and we feel like part of being an authentic human being is making a mistake. And so when we're apologizing in an appropriate way, it's not because we were ill intended. It was because we, whatever, some, you know, mistakes happen. Our morning was rough. So 
being able to do that is really important and, and allowing for those conversations is important. Sometimes we just got to get back to the first grade basics. I think that's I know. what people forget. A good apology versus a Nikki apology is a big game changer, like we said earlier. Right. Yes. I love yes. that. I love that. I did have a quick question. Um, changing gears slightly, going back to the allyship, um, I was just thinking, like, what if the leadership isn't ready to make these changes? What if there's a younger generation in the workforce? Or let's say they all want to do, they want the day off for Juneteenth. Or let's say they wanted to do um, the pride parade or participate or sponsor something. And how, what's some advice that you would give these employees to maybe approach HR or approach leadership and say, I think we should be more inclusive in this way. And what if it doesn't go well? Or how would you suggest people to go about that if they want to be more inclusive and involved? I think they always need a plan and a proposal. I think that's important because these things are so important, but you can't just go to somebody and say, this change is important without explaining the why. Because like you just said, there's generational differences, there's background differences. These are important things. Everything you said there was an important thing to have. And, and we're lucky to work at an institution where we are celebrating Juneteenth. So um, that, that comes with explaining why this is important, why this is important to you, why this should be important to them, how this will help to change the culture. And if DEIB is built into the strategic plan, how does it go alongside that strategic plan? It's very mm -hmm. important to, again, communicate clearly. Go ahead, Nadia. Yeah. I think you probably had more. No, I actually didn't. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 uh, honored that you think I did. But no, you you. Can't. I think you you were very comprehensive with that approach. I, I I have you know nothing really to add. It's it's important to be able to be at a place where you can show up and ask things. Um, I think if you're genuine and you're willing to to experience learning on both sides. Mm -hmm. And know that it's not a versation, it's a conversation means which, you know, con means to be with. So mm -hmm. having a conversation with um, your employer as far as why this is important, um, recognizing there's educational value, um, mm -hmm. how it better serves the people after having these types of experiences. Um, you know, I, I, I encourage workplaces to have ERGs, which is employee resource groups. Right. And so if you're able to have ERGs set up, you know, if you have an ERG that are your, your mom workforce or, um, you know, those who are non-binary or whatever it may be, um, that's, that helps the conversation because you have now this ERG group coming up with a plan of how to celebrate either populations like them in the workplace or expand it out to recognize and appreciate other things and things that we can be you can be doing, and mm -hmm. so that's that's another right avenue to do it is if mm -hmm. you're able to do an ERG to have these support systems built in for groups to feel um, empowered enough to have these conversations and make these requests um, that benefits more than just the one; it's a whole. I think it's good. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. so much to talk about in this topic, and I know we've asked you to take apart diversity, equity, inclusion, and now belonging, and um, <laughs> it's hard to pick them apart and focus on one because they're all so interrelated, and um, we're so excited to have two more podcasts coming up in this five-part series and our special event. So, Yes, yeah, so we have, um, I was going to say, this: the thing that I think wrapping up this conversation with a nice bow says... You never know until you try, and it's all about the clear communication. So 
Um, our next episode is with a special guest, um, Dr. Lynn Schumacher, the president of Tiffin, will be joining us for our part four. Um, and actually, coming up, we will have this special training from Julia and Nadia at our McGowan Brabender location. Um, we'll have way more details about that, but we're so excited. If you listened at all to the past three episodes, you know that training is where it starts. So we're yes. thrilled to have you both as our expert leaders in this session. Um, so is there anything else, Julia or Nadia, you would like to talk about this session quickly before we go? We're just excited to continue this work with you. This is We're just so glad that you have invited us to your space to have these conversations. We know it's critical and I'm passionate about this. So love, love having these conversations. Yeah, we're super excited. So it's going to be a four-hour workshop. We're going to provide lunch, yes. an opportunity for self-assessment. Um, I think it's going to be a fabulous day of shared experiences and everyone's going to have an opportunity to um, just continue to improve themselves as well as their own organizations. Yes. yes. And our workshops are interactive. So we, we get you involved. So don't think you're going to sit there and no listen chance. to us. That's what those podcasts are for. That's what this is for. We're going to get you yeah. involved. We, we, the best way to have these conversations is for you to be present um, emotionally, physically, and mentally um, there. And so we found fun ways, um, but heartfelt ways to do that. And it doesn't matter does not matter where you are in your journey. I always say this, you know, whether you have been navigating that road of DEI for a while and you're enjoying the scenery around you, you're reaping the benefits of it, um, engagement is high, productivity is high, um, you know, you're, you're, you're improving your bottom line in so many ways and you, you just wanna know, gosh, how do we keep this fueled? How do we keep the tank on full? We can help you with that. Um, if you're just starting on the DEI journey and you've, you've left the driveway, you've been on the road for about two hours and you, you, you're like, oh my gosh, it's only been two hours, but I'm already on E. Um, we can help you get your tank full. Um, we don't want you to run on E. Um, we can help you with navigating what ways specifically will make an impact for you and your workforce and what you do. Yeah. If you're one of those HR practitioners, you're in the car with your CEO um, and they have an outdated DEI roadmap, um, <laughs> um, we can help you get an updated DEI work roadmap of what you're gonna see in the future space of the conversations of DEI and some really tangible, sustainable solutions that you can put in place to help move your organization and the needle of DEI forward. And even if you just grabbed your keys and you're walking to the car and you haven't even left the driveway yet, we can help you as well. <laughs> yes, so anywhere along the journey. So the date uh, for the Save the Date, and we'll be getting this out to everyone, is June 28th. Mm -hmm. So mark your calendar, that's a Tuesday. And I know you talked about whether you're at the beginning or whether you, you've been rolling along. Um, is there a certain um, uh, type of person, leader, um, role, department? Um, what would be a recommendation for our listeners in terms of um, who, sh who should attend? Anyone. Everyone. Anyone who yeah. wants to make a difference. <laughs> okay. A difference. Um, whether you're HR, whether you're a manager, whether you're a C-level, whether you're an executive. Anyone who wants to make a difference and recognize 
the importance of creating an inclusive environment, an environment of allyship that wants to advance the organization holistically in these meaningful conversations, you need to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And we'll Perfect. see you all there. <laughs> yes. And to our listeners who are registering for this, we would love for you to come prepare, do a little homework and listen to these three episodes. Um, and then we'll have episodes four and five come out after the training session. So you'll have a little follow up there. Um, but we should again, have a quiz. We should have like a little raffle or grab bag if they like watch the episodes. And we love prizes. We're all about competitive and competitiveness. That's on our to-do list. Exactly. So thank you everyone for joining us on this episode. Um, If you have any questions, as always, you can email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com or you can email me at Ann at healthierbirthdays.com. Thanks for joining us and we will see you at the training session.